Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Thanks for listening this Thursday, November 4th, 2021. Topics on today's episode include part two of an interview with Steve Rimmer, CEO of DocProbe, on how he saw an opportunity to make trailing docs easy for the mortgage industry, and the Fed finally announcing its tapering plans. Excuse me while I rant a bit. Let's throw some money questions your way on a Thursday. Do you have any Rice Krispies at your store? If you do, buy them. Kellogg's cereal plant workers are on strike. I want to let them know that they have my full support. After I finish my breakfast. Did you know that China controls 30% of the world's manufacturing capabilities? As I mentioned yesterday, it has already cut back on steel production to alleviate pollution ahead of the February 2022 Olympics. What else lies ahead in its controlled economy? And how will it impact consumers around the world? Do you own any art done by someone older than your kids? I have some lithographs of sad-eyed Italian children that must be worth something. But I mention this because you can buy shares of a company that invests in art. What could go wrong? Let's ask Zillow about treating houses like a commodity instead of a home. Do you know what LOs and processor comp trends are? Simple Nexus's LBA Ware team tells us that third quarter LO comp shrank 17% from this time last year, and processor bonus comp fell 33%. For links to those stories, as well as the latest employment opportunities and new hires, and broker and lender services and products, visit robchrisman.com. I'd like to thank today's podcast sponsor, DocProbe. Getting control of the trailing documents process has been a thorn in the side of lenders for about as long as the mortgage industry has been around. DocProbe has taken the mortgage industry by storm by revolutionizing the entire trailing docs process from the bottom up. For over 10 years now, well over 100 lenders around the country have relied on DocProbe for efficient, cost-effective, and headache-free processing of all their trailing docs so they can focus on what they do best, closing new loans. Speaking of which, for today's interview, I wanted to welcome on Steve Rimmer, CEO of DocProbe. In this role, he works with lenders, investors, and managers to provide custom solutions for real estate document retrieval, management, and storage. With almost two decades in the residential mortgage business, Stephen understands every aspect of the industry and recognizes the unique challenges faced by lenders in their day-to-day activities. It is this experience and a passion for efficiency that resulted in DocProbe's innovative technology and market-proven processes. Now, I've heard for a couple of years now, mortgages are going paperless. What does that actually mean? That's a good question. Uh, I think we can really divide the mortgages, at least the forget the, the process until closing, but let's let's talk about towards the closing. Uh, obviously, the paperwork that's in the file uh, is coming over by email or coming over by upload and things of that nature. And that aspect has certainly helped uh, to be able to bring things uh, bring things out uh, electronically until the closing. When it comes to a closing. Here we have to start looking at the different documents that are involved and the different players that are involved in the world of accepting that documentation. So when we talk about going electronic, we just obviously I, w- I would put it into three different groups of documents uh, or four. The three the, the groups would be as follows. There's obviously documents that have to be signed at closing, which are not, re- not notarized, not recorded. Uh, those just go into a file. Those are the easiest ones to deal with. I think there's pretty much universal acceptance uh, on that particular form 
uh, of signature, putting that, whether it's a hand signature that's then scanned or whether it's an e-signature that's put on there, there's, there's pretty much good acceptance out there uh, of that particular side of things. Then there's the uh, documents that are signed but do have to be notarized, things like an occupancy affidavit, things like a compliance agreement uh, that people sign typically with lenders at closing. Those documents do have to be notarized. Now, in the world of notarization, so now the question is how, how do we deal with electronic notary or RON as it's known, remote online notary uh, as it's become? We have 37 states in my last count that I checked uh, that are, have, ex have accepted or passed legislation to accept RON as a legitimate form of notary. Uh, we still means we still have 13 states that have not accepted it. So that aspect of things, and you'll see more of that as we discuss the rest of the documents, is slowing down the process of getting this done. Because if I'm a lender and I lend in all states, I want to have a document set that I can produce that is workable or acceptable in all states. That won't work in 13 states states right now because 13 states are not accepting RON. So that's something that still is going to wind up being on paper, a real notary and a hand stamp on paper, or they call a hybrid uh, in some places, uh, which may be more accepted, but still a lot of that stuff winds up being a little bit cumbersome uh, when it comes to acceptance. Then let's talk about the notes uh, as a third set of documents. Notes don't have to be notarized, but notes, obviously, if we want to like, make the notes electronic, now we'd start dealing with the concept of eVault. And again, you have a new set of players that are introduced that have to be willing to accept the documentation. Obviously, on the retail level, there's the lender themselves, whoever is the lender that's lending on this uh, to be able to evolve the note and then pass it along to their warehouse lender. That's another group of players that have to get on board. And then the agencies in the secondary market that are going to be buying those notes uh, have to obviously have the capacity to evolve them as well. So again, here there's some level of acceptance. I don't know what the percentage is, but it's not universal yet. Uh, still taking time to get there. And that again is a piece of slowdown in the process. Uh, finally, we have the mortgage, which is a recorded instrument that, they, that needs a notary. Uh, here we have perhaps the most players that are involved uh, in making this work. Obviously there's the recording municipalities. Now there's north of 3000 counties uh, in our great country. I, this count that I saw on Simple File has 1,800 counties uh, online with online e-recording. If there's e-recording, there can be a paperless document that can be e-recorded, or at least the potential is there. Uh, if there's uh, no e-recording, then obviously you need a paper to take into the county clerk's office and get it recorded. If we don't have that paper, it doesn't work. So that's obviously places where you're still stuck in the manual world of making sure that at least there's a mortgage that is on paper, notarized, given into the county as paper, may come back as paper, may come back as electronic, but typically still wanted as paper by many jurisdictions and many investors uh, that have an original recorded document. Uh, so that, that is acceptance by the counties on the county level. And in addition to that, you have a state like Connecticut where recordings are done on the municipal level. So there's actually more than 3,000 players in the, in, in the field here and more than 1,200 to bring on to make this acceptable by all. So that really is another area of challenge. And again, from a lender's perspective, I want to have something that works everywhere. I don't have it. I think there's one player that may be ignored perhaps uh, in all the above documentation, in all the above conversation with the documents, uh, that has to be addressed as well. And that really is the borrower. I think 
a lot of the industry hasn't taken a lot the borrower into account in a lot of this. Borrowers want to know what they're signing. So I think that the idea, the whimsical thinking that will just bring everything up, like people have signed, I agree to the terms of service, and terms of service is like a, a link where you can open up a page that's 30 pages long and nobody does it, and everybody just clicks the checkbox and signs. I think that aspect of it is still far away within the retail aspect of this business. A borrower sitting down to a closing is is basically getting themselves into debt, likely the largest amount of debt that they've ever gotten into in their lives, and usually wants some level of comfort, some level of hand-holding. What am I signing? Even if it's the person who's the closer or the settlement agent that may be sitting next to them, who can explain to them, this document tells you that you are obligating yourself to pay $300,000 or whatever the loan amount is at whatever interest rate at whatever term it is, fixed or adjustable, whatever it may be. That comfort level uh, still has to be there. And I think that's still going to take time to get there uh, certainly for people that are my age on the low 50s, I don't see it. I still like somebody sitting next to me and doing it. Uh, I'm sure that there's a greater percentage of people that are in their 20s and 30s that will do it. Uh, but I still don't think it's the lion's share or, or the overwhelming majority of the population. And I think from that perspective, that's still going to take time. It may be able to be done electronically, but I think it will slow the process down. Sorry for that long-winded answer. No, no, you're good. Uh, you talk about the different levels of acceptance there. And I guess what I want to ask is if you're a county or a institution that is still requiring paper documents, but you see everybody else adopting these electronic ways of doing things, you know, how, how long until, it, until you get on the train here? You know, it's leaving the station. How, how fast will these technologies be adopted and become routine or, or are these uh, are, are places intentionally dragging their feet? What's what's the deal there? I'll tell you. I, I think that there's. I, I think that uh, I, I personally am what I would consider a city slicker. Uh, I grew up and live in New York, uh, which is the, a big city, and uh, everything moves forward and things of that nature. I had the opportunity uh, to work for about nine months of my life out in the farms in Iowa, and I'll tell you that it's a different world out there with a lot of different thinking. And I don't think that the counties there are necessarily looking very closely at what's going on everywhere and say, we have to do this. I think that there's a way of life there that is a lot slower paced than it is along the coasts. And they don't really care. They're not rushing to it. They're not running into it saying, oh, everybody's got it. I have to have it too. The people that own farms there are not necessarily moving out just because the county is not doing e-recording. And many of them probably would actually prefer to sit at a closing table with someone that will explain the documents on a piece of paper, sign their own name, and get it taken to the recorder's office. I don't think they're rushing uh, for the onboard of that technology. So we as a mortgage business, we serve 50 states, but I don't think all 50 states are in the same league when it comes to where exactly things are at. And I'm sure within states that varies as well. I'm sure there are many counties upstate New York that are of similar nature. Uh, that are not rushing. Now, Simple File does say that they have 83% of the population covered. And I think that's a very telling number. They have all the big cities. They have all the big counties. What they're missing, when they're missing 40% of the counties, is that they're missing all the 17% of people that are just running a slower pace of life. They're not in a hurry. 
to rush on to this change, and they're not necessarily rushing to adopt it. Excellent point. Well, Steve, thank you very much for coming on and talking to me today. I think this was great for our listeners to hear, and uh, I wish you all the luck with Doc Probe going forward. Thank you, and I appreciate your podcast. Keep doing it. Keep doing it well. Keep those jokes coming. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. As widely expected, the FOMC announced a tapering in its asset purchases at yesterday's policy meeting. But the committee continues to stress that it will likely keep rates on hold for the foreseeable future. The timing and amount of tapering are in line with market expectations, and as previously communicated by the Fed. Right now, the Fed purchases $120 billion every period, and the assets on its balance sheet have swollen to almost $9 trillion. Tapering will start this month, and will thus probably end in June. This expedited start to tapering will give the Fed more time between the end of tapering and the start of rate hikes, and that will largely depend on the level and direction of inflation moving forward. The statement echoed the familiar verbiage of past statements regarding gradual improvement in the economy that remains dependent on the course of COVID. In my opinion, the Fed did a good job of reassuring everyone that it's watching inflation without pulling away too much too soon. During his press conference, Fed Chairman Powell acknowledged the ongoing presence of supply shortages but didn't offer anything that the market has not been aware of. The next Fed meeting is December 14th and 15th. What is the takeaway for originators dealing directly with borrowers, adding value and wealth to their clients? Experts expect this move to eventually increase mortgage rates, since the Fed was buying these securities at low rates, keeping mortgage rates at historic lows. Given yesterday's news, it's quite possible that rates will continue to inch up, increasing the urgency for homeowners considering refinancing but we all know that mortgage rates have already moved since the tapering off of asset purchases has been expected for several months. Rates move little on the actual news, but the speculation is that rates will grind higher as the economy improves. In other news from yesterday, we learned that the economy added 517,000 jobs in October, according to the ADP Employment Survey. Leisure and hospitality and transportation had the biggest gains. Expectations are now for 400,000 payrolls in tomorrow's jobs report which has missed expectations the last two months. Separately, the ISM non-manufacturing index for October increased to a record high of 66.7%, marking the 17th straight month of growth for the services sector. Demand shows no signs of slowing, and the services sector is running at a record pace even with the constraints of labor shortages, logistics problems, and difficulty in obtaining materials. Finally, factory orders for manufactured goods increased 0.2% month over month into September, as the pace of order growth remained positive for non-defense capital goods, excluding aircraft, a proxy for business spending, demonstrating that manufacturing demand remains sturdy in spite of the pressure related to the Delta variant. Today's calendar is already underway with challenger job cuts for October. Cuts at U.S.-based employers rose 27.5% in October to 22,822 from the 17,895 announced in September. It is the highest monthly total since May. We've also had weekly jobless claims, in at 269000 and productivity and unit labor costs down 5% and up 8.3%, respectively. Later this morning brings Freddie Mac's primary mortgage market survey and the return of Fed speak with Fed Governor Quarles delivering remarks. The desk is scheduled to purchase up to $4.7 billion of conventional MBS. We begin Thursday with current coupon agency MBS prices better by a quarter and the 10-year yielding 1.57 after closing yesterday at 1.58%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. 
Everyone in mortgage banking appreciates scientific research and findings. Thank you to Indiana's Carol Kay, who sent along this recent study. Important to know for Thanksgiving. Scientists place a 10-piece set of matching Tupperware in a hermetically sealed chamber. When they opened it a month later, the chamber contained 24 lids that did not match any of the remaining six containers. <laughs> Thanks again to today's podcast sponsor, DocProbe. DocProbe is the nation's leading trailing document service provider. They take control of the entire process and deliver efficient, cost-effective, and reliable document fulfillment so you can get back to closing loans. Check them out at www.docprobe.net. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.